Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. I'm super excited for today. I think you are going to be as well. My guest, Roy Red, is absolutely amazing. We have a lot to dig into. So the reason I wanted to have Roy on the show, there's there were two reasons, two things that really intrigued me and kind of as I was following him. One is he has this whole thing about workability versus productivity. And I think that's going to blow your minds a little bit. And, his, and I think his story is going to blow your mind too. And it's going to give you some insight into what's really possible for you as well. So with that, Roy, welcome to the show. How about you fill in the gaps and introduce yourself to our audience? First, I want to say thank you, Tamara, for having me. Um, I love the show. Um, I went back and was listening to old episodes. I love the flow. I just love the guest and what you're doing with Launch Street. A um, little bit about myself, five-time best-selling author, internationally recognized speaker, and business advisor, and also help people do what I do, speak, write books, and things of that sort. Um, and I speak all over the world, done two TED Talks, but it hasn't always been that way. In 2011, I was, you know, broke, embarrassed, homeless, and really going through some problems. And I had a moment, what we'll talk about later, where I decided to take full responsibility for my life. And I just realized that I had to switch things up. And um, that changed my life around. And since 2011, I've been building my brand, building myself and and building uh, my purpose. So you went from homeless to basically being a millionaire. And I, but I want to back up and I want, I would love for you to take us through that mindset of, and what you just said, which is I decided to take full responsibility for my life. And, and the reason I want to dig into that is I think that regardless of whether you are homeless or stuck in a job you don't like, or not getting the results in, in your life that, you know, you want whatever place you're in, accountability matters. And it is, to me, it is the first step in getting to the next place, whatever that place is for you. And it is amazing how easy it is to not take accountability. And I don't think it always shows up as I'm the victim. Woe is me. I think it shows up in a lot of insidious little ways that we don't even realize we don't even realize we're doing. And in so not taking accountability and in so not being able to actually move forward. So Will you just back up and, and talk a little bit about how you made that decision and how how and what you changed because of that? Well, I I was in a spot. My 1987 Honda Civic broke down on the 10 freeway oh, and I was good. inside the diamond lane, which if you're not from California, the diamond lane is just a carpool lane. And there was a median between me and the other side. So when it broke down, I had to push this car by myself for two miles and somewhere in pushing that car for that two miles, I asked myself a simple question. I said, Roy, you're smart. You got skills. Why do you continue to self-sabotage yourself? Because we're our biggest enemies, right? And I started to tear up because I didn't like the I didn't like the the answer to that question. And the the answer was is because I wasn't taking full responsibility. And it was it was weird because when I was when I decided to take full responsibility in that moment, I was kind of going through my head of why why wouldn't you take responsibility before? And then I got the answer, and the answer is 
we look at responsibility as blame. So if I say you're responsible for something and you don't feel like you were responsible for it, it's because you think I'm saying I'm blaming you for that outcome. And it's not that. What responsibility is, is responsibility is a stand you take on yourself where no matter what happens, even if you weren't causal in the, in the, in the circumstances whatsoever, you always have your hands on the steering wheel. You can always do something about it and you can always react because when you're complaining and um, trying not to take responsibility, nothing's getting done. But when you take full responsibility, you go straight into action and action is the only thing that's going to fix whatever situation we're going through. So you just kind of blew my mind a little bit. So I, I have a few things to say and then a question on it. Uh, it made me kind of think about how oftentimes uh, not taking responsibility shows up as excuses. So, and I used to be guilty of this. So uh, I didn't get, I didn't do my five sales calls today because I'm, I'm tired. I'm not going to, on my game, it'll show up in the phone call or, Oh, I've got to get this other, I've got to check all my emails first. Like that actually matters. Right. So, but I would find excuses that weren't like, I'm the victim or I'm not responsible, it would, it would, yeah, I'd find excuses. Did you find that for you that you were in that place too, or did that show up for you as well? They were excuses, but excuses, but I was calling them reasons because that feels better and it sounds a little better, right? Oh, no, they were definitely my reasons. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, it's, what I try to do, like, even when I work with my athletes or anyone is I try to, try to get them from a, looking at the world from a psychological assessment to a word assessment based on their word. And what a psychological assessment is, is uh, talking about something. Um, my mentor calls it abouting about something. And excuses excuses and reasons are talking about the action that you're supposed to do or that you're going to do or whatever. But when you live based on your word, you say, I'm going to do it and you just do it. And then if you don't do it, you just didn't do it. And then you give your word that you're going to do it at another time and you just keep moving in action. Right. Um, The thing is, when we set out to achieve something, it's my belief that it's already done. We just need time and space until we get there. Mm. And our job is to make that time as less and less as we possibly can. I think the secret to that. And the key to manifesting everything is by getting away from psychological assessments and into action based on our word, integrity of word, as best we can. Instead of feeling guilty that I had a donut, I had a donut, it's over, now let's get back on it. We get caught in these cycles of excuses and reasons and justifications, and those make the time longer till we get what I call our lag measures or our results. So you're pushing this car for two miles, which gives you a lot of time to think, right? And you've come to these realizations. What was that experience like after when you decided to make the changes? Because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people would say uh, change is hard for them because whatever habits, excuses, reasons, right? Whatever it is, those tracks in our brain are pretty ingrained, right? And, and they become our beliefs and it's hard to fight beliefs. So I, I want to understand, I guess, from your experience, mm-hmm. how you how you actually then made the change. Because it's one thing to have the conversation with yourself and it's mm-hmm. another thing to actually do something about it. Yeah. 
Well, actually, the actual ex- um, experience of pushing that car and being embarrassed, literally the Channel 7 news chopper was over my head. Uh-huh. With the camera on me saying, guy holding up the diamond lane, tears in my eyes. Uh-huh. Um, just to go down a scientific uh-huh. route, the high stress, high energy, we're, we're either motivated by gain or by loss. And so that high stress, high energy put my brain in a elastic plastic state. So I was able to change in that moment and just thank God that my language was in a place to where I'm going to take responsibility because whatever language you use in those highly energy, high stressful situations is what's going to create new brain patterns. Hopefully they're positive and hopefully they're stronger brain patterns than the ones we built from ages one to seven years old, which everything's a big deal when you're one to seven years old. And that's where our brain patterns and our beliefs are created. Like you talked, like you talked about, but um, having that high stress, high energy moment, telling myself, I'm going to, I'm going to change this. I'm going to take responsibility because even though it hurt me that I messed my life up to that point, it also empowered me because I realized, oh, well, if I messed up, I could change it. I could change it. I I can fix it. And I got the skills. I I got everything. All I have to do is make like uh, one of my favorite uh, people, Brendan says, is make my common sense, my actual common practice, and I can change everything. So I want to dig into something you were just talking about, because I think it's really important for all of us to understand. So, you know, you said this kind of high stress, high energy moment created opportunity in your brain to create new tracks, like lay new tracks. And I think that oftentimes we avoid the hard work or we avoid stress right? We, or conflict even. So we avoid those things. But what the science is showing, what you're really, I think, talking about, but also have shown us here is that we actually need to find those moments of high stress or confusion or conflict or even embarrassment or, you know, like high energy, high stress, I think is how you said it. Cause that actually allows us, it makes it easier for us to get over that hurdle. Not actually harder. Right. Am I hearing that right? Yes, it does. If we can just deal with the stress. So I actually gave a talk at the national head start association and the name of the talk was stress is not the culprit because stress gets such a bad name that it causes sickness and all this. And that's actually totally not true. What we say about the stress, our perception on stress is actually what is the deciding factor. And I can do a quick experiment, takes like one minute to kind of prove that. Yeah. Stress is an experience and all experiences we have happen in the now moment. Your past experiences, when they happen, they happen in that now moment. Your future experiences, when they happen, they will happen in that now moment. And so really quick, if you're watching this live or if you're watching this later, just think to yourself for two seconds what you're experiencing. Is that the temperature? Is that uh, your butt in a chair? Is that whatever that is? Just think to yourself for two seconds what you're experiencing. Okay, go. Okay, stop. That's enough data. Now, if you actually did the experience, the experiment, you will realize that you failed because when you went to tell yourself what you're experiencing, it wasn't what you're experiencing. It's what you were experiencing a moment ago. Right. You have to kind of go into the past. Exactly. That's what the mind does is only deals with the past and the future. It doesn't deal with the now moment. And it's worse than that. You didn't even say what you're experiencing a moment ago 
because a moment ago no longer exists as an experience. So you're it's just a memory of experience. You're basically making it up. You're basically making it up. You're creating, you're, you're creating your whole reality with your self-talk as long, and, and you can literally create your perceptions with your self-talk as long as you have integrity of work. Why do you think action is so hard for people to take? I kind of want to dig in there a little bit because, you know, there, there was a time in my life, where I think if I'd been listening to this, um, I would have probably had heart palpitations at the idea of like, go, go, go. And, and now I'm all about massive action. Like sometimes you got to slow me down because I'm always in motion. Yeah. So like, I get it now, but there was a time where action felt, I, I, I want, it felt hard. I wanted honestly where I wanted to avoid it. And I think we do that sometimes it's conscious, sometimes it's subconscious. So why from your experience and the people you work with your clients, why, what is that hurdle they have to get over? So some people say we're afraid of failure and that's close, but actually we're not afraid of failure. We're afraid of being seen, being, being a failure. Mm. We're afraid of what other people are going to say. Right. Especially ex and entrepreneurs, because most of our families don't get it. Most of our friends that we grew up with don't get it. The only people that get it are the relationships we made after becoming an entrepreneur. Going Other people who are trying to do it, too. Like exactly. Yeah. And so we're afraid of looking bad. We're, we're afraid of looking bad. We're afraid of getting laughed at. And um, I just being that I played a sport, I'm very competitive. So. When I get, I'm okay with being laughed at because I know I'm going to put the work in over time. I'm going to do the daily mundane stuff that makes me good. And then I'll laugh at you later. But well, that's just the best laughter, right? Isn't that what they say? <laughs> yes. But the initial, um, we don't give each other space to be bad initially. We only give that to kids. You know, if a, a little girl says she's going to be a gymnast and she, and she can't even flip. We don't say can't even flip. You're terrible. No, we clap them up. We give them that agreement. We hate disagreement. And so that's why we don't put things out. So I just want to stop there for a second, because I think it's really powerful what you're saying, Roy, about I hadn't really thought of it that way. We don't I agree with you. I don't think we're afraid of failure. I think oftentimes, too, by the way, I think we're afraid of success because that's change. Yeah. Failures actually can be really comfortable for a lot of people. I know I played in that space early on in my career. It was easier, not early in, in the middle part of my career, but that whole, like, we're going to be seen as failure, uh, failures. And that we, I mean, what happened? Where along the way did we go from rewarding, applauding, being like, good for you for trying those somersaults to yeah. like, oh, did you see Roy? That like that, <laughs> like what, why, why is that the case? We became adults. <laughs> Damn adults. Um, it's no fun. <laughs> For some reason, I don't know why the mind is is just negative unless we prime it for gratitude yeah. and prime it for positivity. You know, it just um, it's my it's my thought and assumption that it's because if Roy is successful, then now I got to look at myself and all those things that I really wanted to do that I didn't do. I. I have no more excuses not to do them because Roy's from where I'm from, he and he's doing it. And so I have to do what I can to to stop him from doing that so that I don't have to do it. And I think really it's just a reflection of how they see themselves deep down. Yeah. Um, and they just haven't done the work to 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 fix that. 
I think uh, I talk about this in my book. It's like death by a th- 10,000 cuts. Yeah. You know, so people, it's not always obvious, but you know, you'll get things like, uh, Roy, slow it down, dude. Like, why are you working so hard? Oh my God. Why don't you enjoy yourself and come out with us Friday night? Why would you bother doing that? Like, and, and to your point, it's, it's a reflection of them. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on with Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. So many of us are in work cultures, family cultures that don't support us. But to your point about kind of extreme ownership of our own lives, we can't let that be an excuse. Yeah. So let's, for that person, let's create an identity. So first, take that goal, take that purpose, whatever that thing is you want to do. Let's write that down. I'm sure you have it written down somewhere. Now, who is the type of person that achieves that? And then, and I do this with my athletes and I want you to give that person a name. So my main big purpose and goal is to inspire and instruct a billion people to live better lives or or improve their business. And so the name I've given that person, the identity I created is Motivational Billy, like Motivational Billionaire, right? And so I want you to take the identity, figure out who is the type of person who would do that and give that identity a name, like an alter ego. Um, I, I can't say this athlete's name, huge athlete. Everybody would know him, NBA player. We created identity for him. And the moment he created that identity, he started playing like he could up to his potential. Because mm. a lot of times we feel a way because someone said, Roy, you're this or Roy, you're that. So by creating an identity, 
I can step into something and embody something like different. Like a costume or a shield. Yes, yes. It's like it's like when I it's a totem. They call it a totem. And so whatever that is, and then what I want you to do is cut out the distractions from that point. Anything that that identity would focus on, I want you to focus on that. And I want you to also add that focus to your phone. So anybody who doesn't fit that focus, anything that doesn't fit that focus or that identity, it can't notify you or can't get a hold of you on this phone. And anything that fits it can get through. And I want you to create literally your own world and tunnel vision for that identity. I love it. And here's what I find fascinating about this is, you know, we talk a lot about disassociating ourselves from our negative voice. So like mine has a name, I call him Bernard and he and I have long conversations, but if Bernard is doing it, it's not me, right? With the negative chatter, it's Bernard. And I can, I can quiet Bernard. I can, excuse me, I can put Bernard in the, in the passenger seat, right? I can just talk, ask Bernard why he's getting so riled up yeah. because it's not me. When it was me, it was much harder to manage. And what I hear you saying is do that on the success side too. The positive side too is create this identity. I absolutely love that. I think it gives us also more freedom to, it gives us more freedom to put ourselves out there and take yeah. those risks. Um, and I think it allows us to deal with the failure. And I think too that, Failure is a funny word because I don't think we should avoid it necessarily, but I also think that if things don't work, they don't work. That's it. And it doesn't have to, it's only a failure because we have so much baggage around that word, you know, like it's, it's just such a negative word in our, in our culture. And I don't know that it needs to be. And it's not even real. You know? Yeah. Well, it just didn't work the way you wanted it to. That's all. That's kind of. And now that you, and I love that word because now that it doesn't work, what can you do? Do yeah, something fix else. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I want to, um, I don't know about switch gears a little bit, but I want to talk about your concept of workability because that that really intrigued me. So you were talking about how to dial up your workability, but not your productivity. So yeah. first, will you define both of those for us? Uh, so productivity is just getting a bunch of stuff done, getting our task list done, being productive, right? Whatever we said we were going to do, we actually did it workability is doing what works to mm -hmm. get the result of the goal. So if I think about a hammer, a hammer's job is to put nails into wood. So the workability of that hammer is how good it can put nails into wood, right? The productivity of that hammer is just the hammer hacking away at a nail, right? But it can it do its job? So what is your job? What is your result that you're chasing after. What is the workability of a of a person? And it's funny, I was talking to my dad and this is where the concept really hit me. And um, I was asking him about an exercise and he was just like, mm, I mean, if it works, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And that small quote changed my life and changed my whole thinking because now like look at diets look at everything that we argue that we think is the right way we're, we're all different right and so when you can look at something do it and if it works keep doing it and if it doesn't work stop doing it and so that gets us on the right track and shortens that that time that it takes to manifest what we're trying to manifest okay so let's break it down and get super tactical yeah 
How I, I love that concept. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, in this culture, particularly, we reward busyness and busyness doesn't equal results. Yeah. And in fact, all it does is equal most of the time is exhaustion of some kind. So mm-hmm. if I'm out there listening, and I, I got goals, right, we've all got goals in some way, whether I'm an entrepreneur, or I'm, I'm a leader inside a company, how do I figure out what is really in the productivity pile of like, I'm just checking it off? And what is in the workability pile? Like, how do I figure this out? Okay, perfect. So workability will be the 20% that gets you 80% of the results. Mm. So let me give an example. I have a course where I help speakers make minimum 60 grand of their bottom line uh, in a year or more. And someone asked me, they said, how can you guarantee that? Be like, like it almost seems yeah. fake uh, that your product seems fake because how can you guarantee that? And I go, oh, easy. I know what works. You know, if you look at the wisdom pyramid, it's data is at the bottom and we all want the data, right? That's at the That's bottom. Yeah. At the top is wisdom. And wisdom is saying, hey, do this and it'll work. And so what works is this. You have to know what your lead measures are and your lag measures are. Lag measures are the, is the result that you're looking for. And lead measures are the daily mundane things you do to get the lag measures. And the reason why the results are called lag measures is because there's a delay before they happen. Okay. So lead measures for uh, losing weight is taking in less calories than you burn, right? You know, if you do that over a month or two, then you'll lose weight. Now, my lead measures for, for every 150 speaking gig I reach out to, I get one. And so if I want to speak 40 times a year and that's going to make me that 60 grand, then I know I, I know I just need to math plus marketing equals money. So I know exactly what I need to do. And so the subconscious mind needs a target. And so I can, now I have a target and that's outreach. That's my lead measure. That's my email. And so whatever it is you're chasing, figure out what those lead measures are. Usually, you know what they are and you just got to do them every single day. And if you don't know what they are, ask someone who has the results that you want and ask them what their lead measures are, what daily things they do exactly to get the results they have. Awesome and very practical advice to end on. So Roy, thank you for being here. Thanks for a great interview. Thank you so much for having me. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.